a few things that I would take away that that I think are universal. The first is that you need to you really need to understand what your value is, right? This, you know, the your science, your value proposition, your story, right? You need to be able to articulate that really clearly. The second is, is just how you engage. We're very responsive. We share data. We, you know, we got back to investors right away. You know, it was, we sort of, our integrity was hung on that idea, right? But we, you know, we, we were who, we weren't just who showed up in the meeting, but we were who we were afterwards. And, you know, that was very important to us. And so. Welcome to MedSider Radio, where you can learn from proven med tech and healthcare thought leaders through uncut and unedited interviews. Now, here's your host, Scott Nelson. Hey everyone, it's Scott. In this interview, I sat down with Carolyn Lowe, who has served as the president and CEO of Glimpse Bio since 2018. Prior to that, she held executive roles at Merck and Bristol-Myers Squibb, where she oversaw R&D. Carolyn earned her bachelor's and doctoral degrees at Imperial College London. Here are a few of the key learnings that we discussed in this interview. First, instead of regarding regulatory agencies as a threat, Carolyn has found that being proactive in her dealings with FDA is the smart play. Second, the COVID-19 pandemic and corresponding market collapse had a major impact on investor behavior. Empathizing with potential backers helped Carolyn lead a successful fundraising round in a historically challenging environment. Third, authenticity and integrity are critical to successful investor relations, particularly with those who finance your startup. Backers aren't just funding a product, they're also investing in the people behind the product. Okay, so before we jump into the discussion, I wanted to let you know that we just released the first volume of MedSider Mentors, a print-based book that summarizes the key learnings from my favorite MedSider interviews over the past six months. Look, I fully realize it's tough to listen or read every MedSider interview that comes out, even the best ones, but there are so many valuable lessons you can glean from the founders and CEOs that join our program. So that's why we decided to create MedSider Mentors. It's a way for you to learn from the best thought leaders in our space in one central place. Here's a teaser of what you'll see in this first volume. Gar Hong Kong, founder of HealthQuest Capital, teaches you how to successfully pitch your startup. Patricia Ziliak, CEO of Ivinson's, discusses what you really need to know about clinical trials. Jared Bauer, CEO of Ionic Sciences, shares best practices for avoiding obstacles in your startup journey. That only scratches the surface, so if you're interested in learning more, head over to medsiderradio.com forward slash mentors. If you're a premium MedSider member, you'll get free digital access and a print version sent straight to your door. If you're not a premium member yet, you should definitely consider signing up. In addition to every volume of MedSider Mentors, you'll get full access to the entire library of interviews dating back to 2010. This includes conversations with experts like Erica Rogers, CEO of Silk Road Medical, Dr. David Albert, founder of LiveCore, and so many others. Learn more by visiting medsiderradio.com forward slash mentors. Again, that's medsiderradio.com forward slash mentors. All right, without further ado, let's get to the interview. Caroline, welcome to MedSider. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you. It's a great pleasure to be here today. Thanks for the invitation, Scott. No, absolutely. Looking forward, definitely looking forward to the conversation. And I think your, uh, your accent will make me maybe sound smarter than uh, maybe I otherwise would sound. But uh, <laughs> with that said, um, let's start out with your professional background. I provided a brief intro kind of at the outset of this interview, but I always like to like hear your sort of color commentary, right? And we don't have to go sort of career move by career mm-hmm. move, but maybe just kind of provide a little, you know, your, your sort of elevator, elevator pitch for, for mm-hmm. your story, leading up to uh, your your transition to, to CEO of, uh, of Glimpse Bio. You know, thank you. So, you know, I I love science from an early age. 
And I, you know, I spent my very early days looking for experiences that, you know, fostered research. And, you know, I, that led to me doing a PhD and, you know, interestingly over that experience, I, I did a PhD, I did a postdoc. And during that time, I actually became completely interested in, in something else. Um, and it was this idea of how do you take that exploration, that research exploration uh, and all of that basic research and actually work on its application. And it led to the career arc that, that I've had this kind of process of, you know, research and translation. So I, you know, I spent a lot of time reading about business and what it takes, you know, the, the whole idea of the entrepreneurial ecosystem. And, and it was, it was, that was what started me on the career trajectory that I've had. And I, I started out my early career in, in drug development. I had some fantastic experiences. I, I got to lead a, a, a drug that came to market and, you know, it's a very unique experience. Very few people get to, to do that. And then I, I very deliberately built my career with a very broad set of experiences. And, you know, that's been a sort of a tenet of how I thought about uh, my career and eventually where I wanted to get to, but also it's how I, I talk to people a lot about career, this notion of, of breadth. And so I spent a lot of time in regulatory. I spent time in, you know, broadly in, in research and development and managing, you know, portfolios. I spent time uh, building and running a global market access organization and eventually a, a large commercial business unit and then most recently, before I joined uh, Glimpse, I had the number two position in the R&D organization at Bristol-Myers Squibb. And there, I was kind of coalescing all of those experiences, if you want, to help run the totality of BMS's portfolio. And so, you know, along the way, accrued a huge amount of experience, really understanding what it takes to be successful in, you know, in the, the arena of you know, in the biopharma arena, in, you know, everything from drug discovery through drug development, through commercialization. Um, and when I'd done all those things, I felt, you know, kind of finally equipped to go do it myself, right? To go and be part of uh, building a, a, a biotech company. And that was what led me to to get to glimpse. Got it. Uh, that's that's super helpful, and I love I love how you um, you touched on kind of the breadth of your kind of career trajectory. I uh, I had um, Sanjay Srivastava on the on the program recently, and he um, I got to know him when, when we were at Covidian and then Medtronic, and that's one of the things he he mentioned. He's now running a, a couple different cardiovascular startups, and he mentioned and it, like I guess more his recommendation to other other folks who are earlier on in the career is is definitely go broad. Right. I mean, it, 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 it was pretty instrumental, right. In his, in his career path, the fact mm-hmm. that he led marketing for a short span, um, then also led R and D for a short, a, a short time as well. Spent time at J and J, um, uh, leading their, their BD in the, in the, in the device segment. So, so yeah, the, the breadth of, um, of that kind of that, that career arc is, is definitely impressive. And I guess before we get to how, how, you know, why glimpse or how you landed at glimpse, I'm looking at your LinkedIn profile right now. If I saw all of these titles, I would have I would have guessed, you know, definitely, you know, some top tier MBA program, business background. But the, I mean, your PhD is in organic chemistry. It's like notoriously the, you know, the the, the subject that's most difficult, right, for for pre med students. Um, so that I, that that's interesting, right? I mean, that's that's some hardcore science, and you're able to kind of, you know, cross the chasm into like very probably hardcore business, business roles, you know, in these. Yeah. In these, like, I, I had a, you know, I had a deep passion for science, but it was really for me. And I, I think, you know, 
it, it depends on what makes you tick. But for me, I, I had this I had this deep curiosity about how do you take this scientist basic research, uh, which I I love by the way, and I I still have enormous passion for, and I I still you know probably to the chagrin of our scientists, I spend time with them in the lab talking, you know, really talking about what they're doing deeply. And I have enormous respect for them. And I, I love spending that time and getting back to, you know, in some ways, my my roots, heaven forbid, I could not go and do that now. But I I love having those conversations and, and really, you know, getting back to that. But, you know, equally, for me, what was really interesting was how do you take that? How do you take all of that research and turn that into something that can make a difference, right? And and there are many ways it can make a difference, right? It can make a difference in, you know, the the place that I chose to make a difference was I really want to make a difference in human health. And that sounds cheesy, but for me, that was like where I found my passion and interest and where I wanted to really, you know, be part of the ecosystem. Um, but there are many different ways, you know, science makes an interest in every, makes, makes a difference in everyone's lives. And what I really wanted to understand was kind of that intersection, right? The intersection in our case between sort of science and the business and the clinic, because if you don't mesh those three things together and you don't do that successfully, the science can be incredible, like absolutely astonishing and amazing. But if it never makes it to a patient, it never makes it into a physician's hand. So the physician can work with the patient to better their condition. It's all for nothing. Hmm. And so that whole trajectory, right? How do you go from that amazing idea to something that can make a difference to a patient? That was what I was curious about. And so, you know, I started to explore that and that was what led to my career arc. And I, I, I believe I had built a lot of muscles along the way yeah. and you know, again, this this idea of, you know, sort of, you know, first of all, you have to be prepared to step into many places that you don't know things, right? And learn over again, right? I went from being, you know, the expert and having deep expertise and skills to stepping into many roles where I really knew nothing, but I had to find people who are willing to say, it's okay, we, we believe that you can do this, right? You can go and, you know, learn finance and you can go and learn how to run a business and you can do this. Um you know, we have faith in you, right? And and we know that you're going to take the time to do this. And I did it. And I, you know, I really, I really took the time to do it, but I also studied a heck of a lot too. And, you know, it was something that I, I really wanted to do. And, and I think for anyone thinking about their career path, there's always that kind of yin and yin and yang. And I, I, I talk to people sometimes who say, well, you know, I'm like, I'm afraid to do it, or I'm afraid of failing, or I'm, you know, it's just afraid of like something new. Well, but if you really want to do it, like it's, you know, you, you have to find the right environment. You have to find the opportunity to grow. And I, and I think the best time to do it is early in your career too. Uh, it's much harder to do it later, to completely step out of um, your experience set. I mean, you get, you find that you, you kind of, you move inexorably, you know, along one track and it just becomes harder to jump tracks. So I talk about this notion of a pyramid. And so you want to build the breadth sort of the base of your pyramid as broad as possible mm. and that breadth is essentially as many different experiences and then you know as you build layers upon layers um you're building upon that that breadth and you know depending on sort of 
you know, how high you want your pyramid to be, you build the breadth, you know, yeah. wider and wider if you want. Um, yeah, building those muscles along along the way. Exactly, you're building muscles. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's great. No, no, I, I was going to ask you, like, mm-hmm. what are some of the, the key things um, for others that are kind of like debating, you know, that, that next mm-hmm. move that may be a little bit out of the comfort zone, but you sort of answered my question, you know, and, and gave uh, or offered up some, some really, really valuable tips. Um, on that note, let's transition a little bit to kind of climbing, climbing the pyramid, so to speak. Right. Um, and I'm envisioning glimpse, maybe not at the top of the pyramid mm-hmm. or like, you know, you're getting closer to the, to, to the top of the pyramid running a biotech company. Uh, we're going to get into like, you know, some of the things that you're doing at glimpse, how mm-hmm. you're, how you're approaching different functional areas of the business, et cetera, you know, throughout the, the rest of this conversation, but talk to me a little bit about like, what's sort of the foundational te- technology at mm-hmm. glimpse? Um, like how did, how did the idea get started and what, what mm-hmm. attracted you to kind of making that move? I mean, you, I'm sure you could have chosen a lot of different companies mm-hmm. to go run with your kind of broad base of experience, but, but why glimpse? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So glimpse is, glimpse is founded on a really simple idea. And often, you know, it's like the, the simplest ideas that lead to kind of the most elegant solutions. So simple idea is, you know, can we detect real-time biological changes in disease? And we'll, we want to, we're going to detect those using some kind of, you know, activity-based sensor that we engineer to measuring those changes in our body. So that's the idea, right? Very sort of simple notion, right? When we have disease, things change in our body, can we measure them? And very specifically, what we're trying to measure is that in our body, we have over 600 proteases and natural proteins that are measured in our body that they're present in every aspect of human health and disease. And all we're doing is we're taking advantage of the fact that, that they vary dynamically in every disease state. And then we're designing custom uh, biomarker panels to measure those changes. And so we can design a custom panel for any specific disease. We can measure that. We can design it. We design it based on fundamental biology of disease. And then we can measure the disease trajectory. So we can measure baseline disease, how the disease is changing over design over time, whether it's progressing or, uh, or, or regressing, which is you know particularly valuable for patients. And we can do that all in a simple blood test. So it's incredibly powerful kind of idea and then reduced to practice, right? An incredibly simple diagnostic tool. So that's what we, so that's what we're doing, right? So really simple kind of solution to the patient, right? Reduction to practice, right? Can you reduce it to practice? That's the idea. Very simple solution to the patient, to the physician, working on really complex diseases, diseases today where there's no simple solution like that, where you can't actually tell baseline disease, hmm. the patients who we are, the diseases that we're focused on today have uh, no ready diagnosis. The patients typically go through terrible diagnostic odysseys. It takes them you know, a year, 18 months often to get diagnosed. When they get diagnosed, there's no good way to kind of measure their disease trajectory. So these are you know, really problematic diseases. So we're starting with a disease called NASH, which is a fatty liver disease. There's actually no particularly good way to measure that today, except the needle biopsy of the liver, which is pretty horrible. If you have one of those, you don't want to have one again. Uh, we're looking at other complex diseases, like such as hepatocellular carcinoma, detecting early disease, uh, where it's uh, hard to detect against uh, background uh, cirrhosis of the liver. And, and very important to have that distinction. We're also looking at uh, autoimmune diseases. There are many autoimmune diseases that are incredibly hard to diagnose. Um, and there again, we also believe that the technology can be can be deployed. So very sort of useful, 
you know, very important application for patients who have, you know, intractable disease and can't get diagnosed. So that's sort of the, the value and all in a, just a, a simple blood test. But what we've done is taken, you know, something the body naturally does and we found a way to measure it. Um, so it's very, you know, simple kind of elegant uh, reduction to practice. So where it came from kind of, you know, back to how I described this translation of science, you know, the original uh, kind of uh, idea of activity-based sensors came from our founder, Sangeeta Bhatia in, uh, in MIT. She had done over 10 years of work in the technology before it was, um, before Glimpse was founded. Um, I then joined Glimpse and we've further evolved the technology since then into this uh, blood-based format that, that you see now, which is very tractable and something that can be easily used by, by physicians and, and patients. And so how I was attracted to the technology, you know, was something very, very simple, which was the world I came from. So, you know, it's kind of a, an interesting transition because, you know, I'm a, you've heard, right. I, I've spent my entire career in therapeutics. So, you know, a, a, someone with a therapeutic background moving to a diagnostic company is a slightly unusual transition. But for me, there was, you know, there was a singular reason why I came to Glimpse and, it was because in the world of therapeutics, the biggest single issue that is hampering drug development is how do you identify the treatment responders? How do you identify whether patients are going to respond to therapy? Mm-hmm. And it's a problem that plagues the entirety of the drug development process. It also plagues the therapeutics that are in the marketplace as well. You, you've, you, you, you know, You've probably had the experience, you've had family members who or friends who've had the experience, they go on a drug, the drug doesn't work, they then switch to another one in the, you know, similar drug, and then eventually find one that works for them. You know, wouldn't it be great if we could figure that out? Well, you know, it looks like the glimpse, the way the glimpse technology works is that we have the potential to be able to, to do that and to work with our pharma companies to help identify. Uh, those patient populations for them. And so for me, when I saw the glimpse technology, I saw the potential to solve a problem that, you know, wasn't just unique to my experience in drug development, but is a a problem that has existed for a long time in the drug development arena and is really hampering the acceleration of drug development. And so if we could deploy the technology to do that, to try and decode that drug development process uh, and, and help unlock some of what you know, the, the sort of the potential that is is being slowed down because we we're, we're, you know we have you know too many patients going through clinical studies who are non-responders and all of those things that would be incredibly powerful. And so that's you know that's the reason that I came to Glimpse and and we have you know we have discussions underway with pharma companies. We have collaborations that have been entirely anchored around that that idea. And so you know we see all of that coming to fruition. Yeah. Tremendous, tremendous opportunity, um, and thanks for that. Thanks for that background. That's that's super compelling. Um, and j- just just so I, I mean, before we kind of um, talk a little bit about like how you're approaching these, you know, these different um, kind of key functional areas in a in a startup like like Glimpse, just so I understand the technology. Um, let's 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 assume I've got an autoimmune. I'm a patient. I've got an autoimmune mm-hmm. condition. Is Glimpse is it intended to to diagnose the auto the, the autoimmune Correct. disease, and then as I use different therapeutics to to improve would glimpse allow me to kind of measure the, pro- the progress against Correct. that? Okay. Got it. Okay. Yep. Interesting. Yep. And are there other applications, are there other more like, um, 
kind of general wellness applications for this. Um, you know, as, as more and more people um, kind of get into like longevity, right, and and allocate more of their personal budget towards towards health and longevity, is there is there an opportunity for using a technology like Clumps for that? I mean, we we focus right now on very serious diseases, but yeah. what we do know is that proteases are involved in every aspect of human health and disease. Mm -hmm. And so for us, you know, in some future, right, it's really about coding biomarker panels. We can probably code biomarker panels for many things. Hmm. We've right now focused, we're, you know, we're early, we're focusing on uh, really serious diseases. Yeah. Are there other things that we could potentially code for? I'm sure there are. Are there applications that are valuable there? Potentially. But right now we're really focused on, you know, on this notion of serious diseases and, and there's such a need there, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I think everyone's awareness of the sort of the diagnostic void, right. And these diagnostic odysseys became front and center with COVID, right. And, and how, you know, there was just this diagnostic gap with COVID alone. And, and I think that brought to light that, wow, they just, we just don't have diagnostics at our fingertip in the way that we want them. Yeah. And you know, right now we're focused on these serious diseases that really need them. Right, right, yeah. And we we could we. I'm sure this mm -hmm. would be an entirely separate conversation. But one of my one of my friends, Dr. Um, Anthony Gustin, who spends most of his time focused on kind of the, the broader kind of health and wellness community. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and like I always like a phrase that he uses. You know, when it comes to like using CGMs, right, continuous yep. glucose monitors to measure, you know, um, um, insulin, uh, our insulin response. It's like yep. well. He made he he always make uh, one of his points. He 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 mentioned it's like well you can eat a a, a tub of lard right and that you're, you're not going to see a glucose response but is that exactly. necessarily helpful helpful you know what yeah, I mean we need exactly. we need better diagnostics you know to really exactly. kind of measure exactly. metabolic health but um, anyway this is a great it's a great point exactly right, right. Yeah, yeah totally so anyway that's what that's why I ask because it's it's uh, mm -hmm. it's something that stood out when looking at your technology I know you're focused yeah. on very serious conditions mm -hmm. but uh, yeah. just that I've asked but mm -hmm. so let, let's Caroline let's transition um, mm -hmm. I want to I want to run through a, a couple of your a, a couple of questions here related to, to, mm -hmm. to kind of your your mm -hmm. general kind of approach to re regulatory mm -hmm. clinical, right? We, we've already kind of covered mm -hmm. the fact that you're, you've got a really broad background, a lot of muscles that are, are probably pretty strong when it comes to these, these areas. And I know you spent your first, you know, in the first almost, I think, decade of your career at, at, uh, in kind of like with a, with a very acute focus on, on reg. So what, where do you, like, when you, when you think about like other early stage companies and how they're approaching mm -hmm. their, their broader kind of regulatory roadmap, what do you think are some of the, the biggest mistakes people, people make or miss out on and kind of, how are you, how are you kind of with that in mind, how are you approaching kind of the regulatory um, uh, landscape with, with, you know, a complicated technology, simple, but complicated technology mm -hmm. like Glimpse? Yeah. So the, the, the interesting thing about regulatory that I, you know, I sort of, I learned over the years is that it, you know, it's, it's an incredibly strategic function and you, you can think about it very operation. There's a very operational piece to it, but the, the elegance of it or the real opportunity with it is that it's, is, is in the strategy. Right. And if you think about that early on, you can create incredible value for your organization. And, you know, I, I, I learned that from my early career experience and so that's certainly how we've approached it at Glimpse. Uh, we were very strategic from the get-go. We spent a lot of time uh, thinking about, you know, kind of the overall strategic arc for our uh, for our product. 
we have had very, you know, sort of early and often uh, engagement with uh, with the agency. And that's something I would encourage. I think a lot of people, you know, have this notion of, you know, trepidation when, you know, they think about engaging with the agency, particularly as a small company. But, you know, my experience has been, you know, you're knocking on the door every day, but they really want to collaborate and they want to help you, particularly with the new technology, they want to help you advance. And, you know, there are sort of this, I, I think about it as this notion, once you understand sort of where you're going and you're working within sort of the, you know, general uh, domain of the sort of the regulatory, you know, framework that exists, with the new technology, you're often going to want to push that domain. And so if you're having a good dialogue with the agency, you can really start to then build uh, a discussion around, you know, where can you push and where you can't push or how are you going to be able to push? And, you know, I sort of think about it a little bit as you want to sort of ride the crest of the wave, <laughs> but you don't want to like, you want to fall off the wave. And, you know, it's an art to do that. You know, it's a little bit, there's some science, but there's an art to doing that. And that's why it's it's so important, right? It, get, it ends up being driven by your data and it ends up being driven by, what else is going on around you? You know, what other products are being developed and approved? Um, in a world like ours, uh, the, the the area that we're in, it, it ends up being driven by therapeutic data as well as uh, diagnostic data. So, mm. you know, we have to balance both of those things. And when we've, you know, worked with the agency so that we, we have dialogues that include both uh, CEDAR and CDRH appropriately in our, in our discussions, as necessary to make sure that we sort of balance both of those uh, conversations. Um, that was sort of in our in our earlier evolution. Um, so it, it's just it's important to you know I think take all of those things into into consideration. Um, and the final piece is I think you know be be flexible. We, there are things that you just that you can't control in the regulatory environment. Things that you might plan change because you know something happens with another company that causes FDA to retrench, you know, a direction that they were taking or, you know, there's a there's a rulemaking that gets driven because of, you know, the political environment. You know, you always have to be flexible. Mm -hmm. um, but as long as you're looking ahead a little bit, you can generally, you know, generally those things are not unanticipated, right? You'll have, you'll be managing them as risks. Um, right. But I, I would say it's not just an operational function by any stretch of the imagination. It should be first and foremost a strategic function. And, and once you think about it like that, it's guiding the direction of you know everything that you're doing. Hey there, it's Scott. And thanks for listening in so far. The rest of this conversation is only available via our private podcast for MedSider Premium members. If you're not a premium member yet, you should definitely consider signing up. You'll get full access to the entire library of interviews dating back to 2010. This includes conversations with experts like Renee Ryan, CEO of Cala Health, Nadim Yared, CEO of CVRX, and so many others. As a premium member, you'll get to join live interviews with these incredible medical device and health technology entrepreneurs. In addition, you'll get a copy of every volume of MedSider Mentors at no additional cost. To learn more, head over to MedSiderRadio.com forward slash premium. Again, that's MedSiderRadio.com forward slash premium. 